This is Reset and can be found at mccabe.io. I'll be talking about anything that plugs in or takes batteries, mostly home automation, networking, home storage, and I'll be bringing some friends along. Reset was inspired by a bent paperclip that's sat on my desk for years. It reminds me that no matter how much we mess something up, there's usually a reset button. Let's get started. this conversation this it's that one question every guy asks and it depends on who you ask I guess you know some some of you guys ask your mom some of you guys ask your dad some of you guys ask someone else that has gone through this that how do you know if you found the right one how do you know if you found the right one Well, I think I found the right one. It's a Synology RT 1900 AC. I think I found the right router for me. Yes, today's episode is about routers. I'm going to be talking about my router journey. I I say that in jest and kind of just being humorous early, but I've gone through a lot of routers, and I think that a lot of you folks have too. But first, I'm going to talk about uh, a keyboard, a keyboard and a mouse. It's the most uninteresting subject ever but it starts with a little bluetooth usb adapter i recently wiped my computer i just took everything out and just cleaned it all out talking hard drive wise and reloaded windows 10 fresh restarted it's it's been a long time coming and i dug out a keyboard and a mouse kit that i bought uh, last november yeah, I haven't installed it yet. It's because I didn't have a Bluetooth 4, uh, Bluetooth low energy adapter in this computer. So I bought one. I bought one off of Amazon. They're, I mean, it's fairly inexpensive, 12 to $14. There are many out there. I chose a company that I was familiar with, that I liked and respected, called Pluggable. P-L-U-G-A-B-L-E. I've bought some docs before. I've bought some... Um, some video changers like a HDMI uh, to USB 3 kind of uh, adapters. Good stuff. Now, the reason I mention these guys is because I bought this off of Amazon. And when the product shipped, I got an email from Pluggable via Amazon. And it had a whole list of things like, here's some things to look out for, maybe. It also had drivers, like links to drivers, and um, it would ask you, are you Mac? Are you Windows? You know, what are you doing with your Bluetooth adapter? And here's how we can help you get installed and get going and have the best experience with your uh, product you just bought, your $12 product you just bought from us. They went to all that uh, length to do that, and I thought, well, that's kind of cool. It does help reduce returns because Bluetooth can be somewhat, I guess, janky at times. I don't want to Cut it down, but there can be experiences with it that are less than stellar. So that leads me to, I just thought that was cool. I thought that was cool. Thanks for the extra effort, pluggable. So that leads me to the 
Bluetooth Smart Designer Bluetooth Desktop from Microsoft. It's in a long package. It's a Bluetooth keyboard and a mouse. And it's, this is, it says it's designer. That's the big word on the front of the box, designer. Well, no, it's an Apple ripoff. That's what it is. It It's a very flat, nondescript keyboard. Almost looks like some Dell keyboards I've seen that are just super flat and just the chiclet keys standing up. It is Bluetooth, wireless, so there's no cords. It does have a five key on the side, and it has extra keys, uh, a share key, almost like Windows 8.1 keys above the, uh, the uh, what do you call this, a tin key? The page up, page down are in little, little different places. You might not be uh, very happy with those, but the Windows key is in the right spot. So it's, it actually types pretty good, pretty good. If you're used to an Apple keyboard with the, uh, the chiclets, then you'll be fine with this thing. The problem is the mouse. The mouse is super, super duper flat. There's no like curvature into your palm. It is also clearly going after Apple. Um, the scroll wheel is just this little dancy piece of plastic. It's horrible, actually. The mouse has yet a lot to be desired, and it's probably going to get thrown out the window. We'll see how far it, uh, it'll it connect with Bluetooth once I chunk it. Um, yeah, I pretty much hate it. Um, the keyboard, I, I'm living with it. If I find myself getting tired, I will also chunk it as well. Maybe I'll do a YouTube. Chunking keyboards. I don't recommend this set. Don't buy it. It's like 40 something dollars on Amazon. So let's talk about some routers. How many routers have you had in your household? Do you change them as much as I do? Because I have had a router journey that I can't even go back and recall. Because I've started with Linksys, D-Link, Netgear, tons of Netgears. I, I don't why. We just... When they started putting routers and Wi-Fi together, we started buying lots of routers and replacing them and replacing them. So I'm going to go back just a couple of years, and I went over to the Apple side. I bought an iMac. This was 2010. Actually, it was a gift for Christmas. I had heard good things about the Apple Airport Extreme, and I wanted to buy one, so I got one. Expensive little devils, upwards of $200. You can get them for about 150 if you uh, look hard. This was back in the day. I haven't priced them since. But it was the flat one. It wasn't the new one. It was that big honking flat thing. Didn't have a hard drive in it, though. Didn't need the uh, the backup, the time machine. But it it was a decent router. The problem with it was you could not separate router and Wi-Fi. If the router was on, the Wi-Fi was on. And where I was tucking this router, I didn't need the Wi-Fi. So that was a bit of a pain. And also it was, let's see, it had four ports on the back. One WAN and I think three Ethernet, if I'm mistaken. It was either three or four, something like that. It was real, It was lacking in that regard. But I always had a switch because I had a lot of connections, so that wasn't a big deal either. The biggest problem, and a lot of you would have a huge problem with this, it needed software, an external program, in order to... Get into it. It didn't have a web-based program. You could not get into it via the web. You had to download a special program from Apple to use the thing. And it was somewhat wonky. It was kind of crazy. It was just 
not terribly friendly, but once you got used to it, I mean, you were used to it. You could get in there and map ports, you know, like the best of them. It also had a Windows version for anybody crazy enough running Windows to buy an Apple product. Then some guys got me hooked on this PFSense thing. So you build a computer router with a couple of NIC cards in it, and it's a very robust router. Although it took 17 steps and half a day to map a port into, you know, a NAS box or something. It didn't take that long, but it seemed like it. I hated it. So I went back to Apple. I left the PFSense running. And it's uh, it's turned off right now, but it's still loaded with that uh, load of PFSense. I think it's updated since. But So I went back and forth. Apple, PFSense, all kinds of things like that. And I finally bought a Cisco RV325. And I bought this because, first of all, it was on sale. And second of all, I wanted more reporting and I wanted it in a different style than PFSense gave it. PFSense was great. I mean, you could run packet sniffers. I mean, you name it. It was an enthusiast router. It pretty much did it all because it was, of course, backed by a CPU and, you know, almost limitless power that you could give this thing. But I didn't want that. I wanted away from the computer market, that kind of failure point, and I wanted rack mounted. So I went with the Cisco RV325. It had a dual WAN. It had a switch in, built into it, and it was very nice. It had great software, great web-based software. And I really enjoyed it. Mapping ports was somewhat easy. I could do that without uh, having you know major issues. One thing that always bothered me, though, it wasn't compatible with Synology. Synology has this thing where they can connect to the router and map ports interactively as you need them. So if you're running surveillance station, you it will map the ports for you so you can run the surveillance station app outside of your home, view your cameras. It's pretty handy. So I always was open for a new solution. And then this came around. It's the Synology RT1900AC. You guessed it. It's an AC router. It does, has, it does have beam forming. So I thought, why not? Let me try this thing out. Now, I'm going to be upfront with you. This thing, when it came out, it did not get good reviews. It was slow. and It was, it was kludgy. But the cool thing going for it, especially with Synology, is updates. And these guys can put out a firmware update. If you own one of their NASs or you know almost any vendor's NAS, they update it like crazy. Always working on it, always improving it. Synology is no different. They're always improving, upgrading, and securing. And uh, firmware for this router is no different than their NAS. It just updates the same way, same feel. So let me take you a little tour through the hardware. On the back of this thing is uh, where the action happens. You've got a power button. So physical power button. That's important to a lot of folks. Power plug, WAN port, and four gig Ethernet uh, ports. And you got three antennas, which they are removable. Uh, some people like that. I am currently one of those, and I will tell you why later. On the side of it, two features that I absolutely love. One I do not use very often, which is the WPS. And the best feature ever is Wi-Fi 
on off. There's a physical switch on the side that you can turn off Wi-Fi. That is amazing. I love that feature because I'm not going to use it for Wi-Fi. I'm using it for a router. I'm quite happy with my Wi-Fi. I have five access points of Eero running through my house. I have one that's dormant. It's not doing anything. And it's currently looking for a home. And I have a nice happy router to sit behind that. On the front, we've got all the indicators you could ever possibly need um, for all the ports on the back. And on the other side, pretty nondescript, USB 3 and an SD card holder. That's crazy for a router, right? But you can actually use them. It's not just a hidden USB port. You can actually use these things. We'll talk about that here in a second. Now, the case itself, it's the wonkiest looking router I think I've ever seen. It's got these legs that that are on the back. And so it tilts it forward so you can see the lights. And the ports are kind of up in the air. So it looks like a little bug, like an animal with the antennas in the back kind of sticking up like a tail. And it comes with this other little thing that you can click in there. You click it onto the bottom and you can raise it up. And it kind of sits up. You move the antennas around. It does its job. As funky as it looks, it really performs well sitting upright or wherever you're going to put it. I'd like to have a rack-mounted version, but, hey, you know, I, beggars can't be choosers here. This is their first iteration. Actually, they've released this late last year, and I saw it at CES. But as I said earlier, it got some bad reviews, and I think they were kind of quiet about it. I know I kept asking for it. Let me, where's my router? Send me a router. I want to review this. And no router shows up. I think they were waiting for some board improvements because there is a version 2 of the hardware board. And also software, some firmware updates. I think they were waiting on those before they really put them out in the public. If you look out there, you search for its name and you search for review, You'll find a handful of reviews, you know, some even in 2015, late 2015, most of them early 2016. And then you'll find a couple sprinkled in the late 2016 era, like we're talking right now. And they're different depending on when the reviewers saw the hardware. Early reviews, not so good. Later reviews, meh, they seem to like it. Speeds aren't quite there. But the reviews are generally well. I can try to run through the features. I mean, it's it's pretty much, it's your router, right? It'll do all kinds of WAN connections. Uh, it is capable of VPN, um, OpenVPN, LT2TP, uh, PBTP. has a radius server. It'll do DNS. It supports, actually, cellular dongles. So you can have, um, you can tell it to cut over to that if, you lose your primary uh, WAN port, so that's pretty kind of that's pretty cool. Has a DMZ, so you can do a DMZ host, and you can do DDNS uh, with a ton of uh, providers. Even Synology, Synology provides that as well. Uh, all, all the r- router things, uh, filtering ports, uh, VPN pass through. You can do all of that kind of good stuff. You can use the USB and the SD card as storage. So it can almost be your NAS. You can put uh, music files, video files, whatever you want on there, and you can share it with writes, just like you, you would do with a NAS. And 
I'm not going to do that because I do have a, a network-attached storage that is functioning for that. But, hey, you never know. Someone might want to do that. You can put a printer on it as well. One thing I've never done, I don't know if it's better than what I'm doing right now because the printers hate me, but maybe I'll try that someday. Firmware updates are the easiest ever. I mean, do you ever remember, you buy a Cisco router or a Linksys router, you got like one firmware update a year, and then that stopped, right? Because they made 10 other routers after that. And you had to download it, and then you had to, flash it on something or point it to a directory and just hope that nothing powered off during the middle of it. It's always just a pain in the butt to do it that way. Well, this is Synology. They kind of excel at this stuff. It'll tell you when there's an update available. You can read right there in the in the uh, router manager what it updates, what's new, what the bug fixes are, and you can apply it if you want to. You can wait. You can go look it up, do whatever you want. It's really really handy that way. It has tons of logging, tons of reporting. It was very nice. We'll get into that. And it uh, all, all the wireless stuff you can handle. It'll do um, high, priority, high priority clients, low priority clients. And as I said earlier, you can beamform. Now this is assuming that you're going to you know, put the router in a room that you're going to be in. You're not going to beamform through levels and levels of uh, of walls and, and houses and whatnot. So it doesn't really pertain to me whatsoever. I'm not using the Wi-Fi, but it's it's there. It's kind of cool. We need to talk about it. It'll email you. It You can set up reports where, like I set up a download report and, uh, no, a bandwidth report, excuse me. So every day, 9 a.m., it sends me a bandwidth report of the previous day. When I look at it, it's always the Roku. That's the um, <laughs> the biggest offender in my house. But I, it's nice to be able to see if uh, phones or iPads or surfaces or whatever are pulling way too much bandwidth. If if something came up with you know twenty gigs of bandwidth, I would be questioning, okay, what's going on? The Roku, <clears throat> the Roku is constantly at like you know ten something gigabytes of data and I, I don't question it because that's what it does it pulls data we're watching tv all right let's just log into this thing let's just take a trip around this srm which is synology router manager it's on tcp ip based you do it with your web browser and you're immediately met with a couple of icons network center package center and help well help seems like trivial right because you never use help on a, on a router you know what you're doing right but this help file is great. Synology help files are really, really helpful. If you get stuck, you're like, what does this mean if I tick it one way or the other? It'll tell you. Because there's a lot of stuff in this router. I mean, there is a lot of stuff. So you start by going into Network Center. And just today, I see I have an update for my router. It's um, just like a badge on your phone. It's got a 1 on it. It says there's one update waiting for me. But I can immediately see the status center right in front of me. I've got upload and download, and I can see the graphs moving in real time. And I can also click over to memory. I can see the memory usage of the router, the CPU usage of the router in a nice pretty graph, and also averages and whatnot, and device list. 
It tells me how many units are on the network, whether they're wired or wireless, and what their upload download speeds are. And I can click down here and see my PC is going quite a bit because I'm using it. The disk, my disk station, my 1813 is going quite a bit. And looks like someone's watching TV because the Roku has got quite a bit of uh, up and down going to it, which is great. You can tell what's going on if, you know, something starts hitting the network and you're, you can't watch the Roku. Well, then, you know, you can find it, you know, somebody's uploading, you know, a movie illegally or something. I don't know. You know, it, 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 it's nice to have the graphs. That's the status tab. You can turn on or off individually the two wireless routers. Yes, you can turn them both off at the side with the hardware switch. But let's say you don't want 2.4 gigahertz. Turn it off. Software. You can turn it off via software and only use the 5 gigahertz radio or vice versa. That is cool. Trust me, that is very cool. You may come up to that someday. In the wireless center, you can do um, the WPS, like I said earlier. You can set up the guest network, and there's a MAC filter. Well, that's pretty common for everybody, right? You can have different SSIDs for 5 gigahertz and 2.4 gigahertz. And as the horrible reviewer I am, I really should try their Wi-Fi because I have not yet. I'm totally happy with my Wi-Fi, and I'm completely happy with this box as a router, as a router. I am going to use this Wi-Fi because I'm going to set up my circle. I'm pointing over to my circle by Disney, and I need to set it up with a separate access point, and I have not done that yet. We'll talk about that in the near future. Let's go down to the Internet tab. The connection, it allows you to set up if you're like uh, PPPoE or just DHCP. You can set that up there. Everybody's probably done this with your router. Um, that you're using now. It's got Smart WAN. I was talking to you earlier about this. Now, Smart WAN is where you can hook up an, an additional Ethernet, like if you have two providers. Let's say you have DSL and cable. You can put that Ethernet into uh, one of them into WAN, one of them into LAN 1. But you have to configure that as Smart WAN. It will either do failover or load balancing and failover. That is cool. Now, Synology has a thing they call Quick Connect. Now, Quick Connect is, you use it with their apps. So you kind of register this as a service with Synology. This is something they're doing for you behind the scenes. So what it does is you pick out a Quick Connect name for this device. Let's say you want to call it you know, you're not going to call it Dave's router. You know, someone's going to try to guess that. You call it, I don't know, DR469PBJ. <laughs> Just something like that, right? And you can enter that little uh, quick connect nomenclature in the app. And you don't have to remember your outside ID, or I mean your outside IP address, or all that crazy stuff. All you need is your Synology count, set up and your quick connect ID and it'll help you out. Now that's really quick overview of that. If you have a Synology NAS, you're probably familiar with that. It works there too. It's very helpful. I suggest you do it here too. Port forwarding, 
and port triggering. So you can do a port forward, specific port, or you can port trigger multiple ports. If you're a WAN guy, you're a gamer, you know about these. DMZ, pretty straightforward. Enable, disable, tell it where your DMZ host is, and off you go. It has IP version 6 tunneling, and as I said earlier, you can hook up a dongle. That's a 3G or 4G dongle. You can do that, so that would be really neat too. Switching over to local network, uh, your IP address, whether you do like a, a private IP address like 192.168.0.1, that's your gateway. You set up your DHCP server, your lease time, your gateway, your primary and secondary DNS, your domain name if you need it. Really simple stuff. You can do a guest DHCP server. So if you want guests to be on a different set of IP addresses, you can do that. And let's see, you got IP version 6, static routes. You can look up the DHCP clients. You can look through them, and you can add them to a reservation list. Say you've got cameras or something. You fire them up on DHCP, and boom, you hit DHCP reservation. You're good to go. IPTV and voice over IP, I have not used. It is to do priority to your TV and your voice over IP uh, provider. I have not used that. Someone can help me out on that. Now here's the cool tab. Parental control. Now I said Circle by Disney earlier and I didn't mean to take away the thunder from Synology here because they do have parental controls. I have my kids on a web filter and a safe search. You can also set them on a schedule with the router. Now, a lot of routers have this, but I like the ability to have the web filter, and there's three settings here. Block access to known malicious websites. There's your basics. Pretty much put everybody on that. Block access to known malicious and adult-only websites. Well, you could probably put everybody on that, too. And block access to custom websites where you can edit your block list. Say you don't want someone, you're a Purdue fan, you don't want them to go to IU. You block IU.edu, <laughs> I guess, I don't know. Um, Whitehouse.com, I think you would block as well. Don't go there. You can do traffic control. You can, uh, this is where you set up the priority, uh, beamforming as well. And it lists here and in parental control, you got the list of your MAC addresses. And if it's a tablet or a phone and it knows about it, it'll give you a little icon that says tablet or phone. It'll give you the IP address of that device. And if it knows the host name, it can figure out the host name of the software stack. It will pull that in there too. Xbox One, uh, iPhones, iPads. Uh, I see my HDHRs from Silicon Dust, my disk stations, my PCs. And there's a handful of MAC addresses. If you ever figure out MAC addresses, write them down, set them aside. That's the best thing you can ever do is capture all the MAC addresses that connect to your network so you know what's on your network. Please do that. There are all kinds of other options when you enable traffic control to uh, to monitor and you can do reports too. So you can have a traffic report mailed to you and you can set what all kind of uh, options that you want sent to you. It's really, really cool stuff. 
security tab is uh, logging out the, the admin session uh, denial of service protection. You can uh, enable that. I don't know why I don't have that uh, ticked here. Enable DOS protection. I'm going to go ahead and tick that and hit the apply button while we talk here. Firewall. There's the firewall tab. Now, this is something that I think that they're going to change in the future. This update that I see sitting here, I think is the one where they're going to rearrange some tabs. So don't hold me to all these tabs. They're going to rearrange, I think, a little bit. But all your firewall rules and your services, your auto blocks, and your certificates are in the router there somewhere. Now, there's also notifications. Now, if you have a Synology NAS, you're used to this. You get email notifications, or you can set them up so you can get email notifications when specific events happen, like a disk fails. You want to know about that. So you can do that here as well. You can also sign up for SMS or even push. So if you have the mobile, uh, you have the, the router app installed on your phone. We haven't even talked about that. It, it'll do push notifications as well to you. So at the end of the notification tab is a huge list of stuff that you have to change, or I mean that you tick on or off to notify me. Okay, so like USB disk failed. If you have something plugged in there, if the disk dies, it'll tell you about that. Uh, IP address blocking, malware detected, packages out of date, updates, it'll, it'll let you know. So that's a good thing. You need to set that up. And then, of course, you've got your admin tab where you can go over your uh, your firmware, your updates. You can look at what the updates are. You can look at your Synology account. You can look at the settings of uh, the port for this. And there's just all kinds of cool things for this. There's this one little section in here. The LED. Not the LED, but all the LEDs on the front of this thing Flicker like a Christmas tree on methamphetamine. If you have this in your living room, you're going to hate it because it's it's a router. It's flickering. Well, you can say, turn off the LEDs at certain times. Let's say do it between 6 p.m. and midnight. I Okay, I'm just throwing it out there. Just Just chill with me. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm thinking, why would you want to do that to midnight? Maybe you want to see them. I don't know. But if you don't like them, or let's say it's in your bedroom, turn it off from 10 p.m. to 7 a.m. I don't want to see it flicking. It's available to you. Don't shoot the messenger. Just, it's available to you. Did you know that's just the network center? That is just the network center. You can go, there's so much more to take a look at. There's network tools, security advisor, you there's a, a little app for storage and a printer to hook all that stuff up. There's also the package center. You can download apps from Synology that run on the router that'll help you do things. Really, really cool stuff. And it's all kind of multitasky. I can have the network center up and running. I can have the package, package, the package center up and running. I can install VPN server. I can install intrusion prevention. Cloud Station, DNS Server, all kinds of cool stuff. I've rambled enough about a router, but let me let me leave you with this. 
I know it's hard to kind of portray the functions and the screens and whatnot. I'll try to do a YouTube on that in the near future. But there was a story that had popped up this week about uh, a botnet of security cameras attacking a website and generating just gobs of traffic to do a denial of service attack. And they used security cameras. I would consider most of us probably safe from this. You know, you guys are tech guys. We we do this all the time. But you never know. You just never know. And it always is good to know what's on your network, to know the MAC addresses, and to know the traffic. And that's what I really like about this router, about how I can generate reports and I can look at things and it, it makes things nice and easy and simple for me. I really like it in that aspect. Now, I am the world's worst bandwidth and speed test kind of monitoring, reviewing kind of guy. I, I just, I've done speed tests, I've done reviews, and I'm horrible at it. I just am. It's just not my forte. It's always just all over the board. I don't have a network set aside just for this purpose. And I've always wanted to build one, but I've never done it. So that being said, I'm not going to put this thing through that kind of motion. I'm just not. I'm. It's live right now. It's running fine for me. It's, I don't notice like, oh, like this is slower than anything else that I've had. I don't notice that it's like light speed ahead of anything else that I've had. It's just there. It works. It's working fine. I like the router. I'm going to continue to test it. I'm going to continue to use it. Actually, I need to run an update right now. There's a brand new update uh, yesterday. And it would be September 29th, yesterday. But we need to move on. You know what? I've got something else for you. We're going to get into what I'm reading. And I do. I want to do two for you today. A bit of tech and then a bit of non-tech. And I think you're going to like it. I just reloaded Windows 10 on my PC. I completely wiped it out and reloaded it from scratch. Now, what happens if uh, I'm talking pictures here, I'm talking picture viewer, JPEGs, PNGs, that kind of stuff, going through your camera files. If you double click a photo in Windows 10, you get the default photo viewer. It's this black piece of software, and I hate it. I just absolutely hate it. I like the one that came with Windows 7. Now, that seems old school. Yes, it's the Windows 7 photo viewer. That's the one I like. I can flip through very quickly. I can print if I need to print. It works for me. I like it. I do not like the one in Windows 10. If you upgrade from Windows 7 to Windows 8 to Windows 10 or Windows 8 to Windows 10, you still have the ability to choose Photo Viewer as your default method to view photos. It will change the default. So the first picture you look at, it will open the Windows 10 version. You just right-click open with, and choose Photo Viewer. Actually, I think it's called Windows Photo Viewer, and then in Windows 10, it's called Photos. So, if you load Windows 10, this is what I'm trying to get to, sorry. If you load Windows 10 from scratch, you will not get the option to right-click, open with, and choose Windows Photo Viewer as your default program to open photos. Drives me crazy. So, you have to go into the registry and hack it up, and the best place that I found to show you how to do this 
is at the How To Geek. The HowToGeek.com has a little, uh, actually, they've got a registry entry you can open and run, and it will set your registry for you, or you can dig around and you can find the registry key to add and make sure you get that. Then you go back to photos, right click a JPEG, choose open with, and look for Windows Photo Viewer as the option. So I hope that's just a little tip. Maybe you guys already know that, but that is one thing that drives me crazy, and I just ran across it since I reloaded Windows 10. Okay, now, what I'm reading. In the early 1900s, the U.S. started to improve the mail system. We're talking mail. This is 1900s here. And they started using airplanes to fly mail across across the country. So they needed a system in which to get across the country without losing airplanes and without getting lost. So they came up with this concrete arrow beaconing system. It's really kind of cool. I'm going to give you a link in the show notes at mccabe.io. Go check this out. All across the United States, the government would make a big, giant, concrete arrow on the ground, paint it orange, have a huge tower system, not system, but a, a tower with a light, and that arrow actually pointed to the next arrow. And they would put these generally like 10 miles apart. And that would help the pilot visually see his self across the country with the mail. And it I don't know why I'm so intrigued by this. I, I'm a history buff, and this just intrigues me just nonstop. I love this. And I want to go out and take a look at some of these uh, beacon tower systems. A lot of these concrete pads still exist. And you never know if there's a pad near you. There could be one just really miles from you. You should really check out this article. It's a real interesting read and the pictures are really kind of cool. There are also reports from people living you know, across the United States about they found one and they've documented exact coordinates where it's at. So you can kind of take a look to see if one of these uh, beaconing systems is near you. So that's what I'm reading. That's reset for the week. I probably missed, you know, a couple of dozen features on this router. But check it out. Go to Synology.com. Take a look at it and read the reviews. And let me know what you think. Head over to homeservershow.com forums. We can discuss it. We've got a lot of networking going on right now. That seems to be the thing. And let me know what you think. RT1900AC. We'll see you next week. This has been Reset, a member of the Geeks Network. Check out thegeeksnetwork.com for great podcasts and forums. Reset can be found at mccabe.io, youtube.com slash davidmccabe, and on Twitter at mccabe.io. Intro and outro music by Der Lee. Find it at soundcloud.com slash music. That's D-E-R-L-E-E music. Support of this podcast can be done at patreon.com slash David McCabe and by using davesamazon.com. 
That's a site that forwards you to Amazon, and all your Amazon purchases help pay for the servers and the software that make this podcast hum right along. Thank you for your support, and I'll see you next week on Reset. Reset.